Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. I am most definitely a sucker for all songs that have an associated dance. I know that this is an audio-only podcast, but I can for sure say that you'd all have enjoyed watching One Hit Thunder producer Matt Kelly walk the dinosaur when we recorded this episode. We recorded this one as another episode of our You Snooze, You Lose category since we're pushing 150 episodes and no one has chosen it yet. We expected to have a funny conversation about a goofy dance song from the late 80s. What we didn't expect was just how crazy of a career the guys in Was Not Was have had. You most certainly don't want to miss this T-Rex of an episode. Stay tuned. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder So I think it's time for another edition of You Snooze, You Lose over here on One Hit Thunder. You know, this is another one that we put a couple times on the Patreon didn't get the votes. 
Every week we send a list of songs we'd love to cover. No one picks it. So we're going to go with this. What are we talking about this week, Chris? We're talking about Walk the Dinosaur by Was Not Was. (laughs) And Matt and I, for anyone listening, should know that we both took together a deep dive into Was Not Was. We watched every music video together on my couch. Yeah. And it's... I'm still trying to process this band. So here's the thing. We're we're hanging out. We have some free time. We thought, all right, let's do another Snooze You Lose episode. We go through this long list of stuff. We decide, I think Walk the Dinosaur. I think people have had more than an ample enough amount of time to go with this song. And then we started looking into it and I was like, Chris, the original plan was like, let's just pick a song that we know and we can just kind of, you know, wing it a little bit. And then I'm looking around. I'm like, this this band's had a long career. <laughs> like we might have to really dive into this because they get a lot of accolades. They're like, seems kind of well-respected and well-reviewed. So we dove into everything. This is a band that kicked off in like 1981 and released records all the way up to 2008. I'm still really confused by this band. I kind of figured it was going to be a one album band that had this goofy song and the rest of their songs were just trash and whatever. It was insignificant. But when we dove in, I'm I'm just so confused about what this band is. I'm going to tell you, if, if you had to ask me, what is the backstory of this band? Yeah. With me knowing nothing. You know more than me. You were doing more research while we were sitting there watching these videos. But I would guess that these were, well, I do know this part. The two guys in the front in the Walk the Dinosaur video, the two singers, they are not Was Not Was. They are basically (laughs) featured in Was Not Was. Was Not Was are the two guys who I believe are the bassist and, did you say the keyboardist? The keyboard player, yeah. So those are Was Not Was. Those guys are Was Not Was. So knowing that, I'm like, okay, these guys seem to me, and I said this to you, they seem to me like a... Ween or MGMT or they might be giants or something like that. Two guys that just write music with no regard for what style it's going to be or whatever. They just write whatever comes out of them, which I think is cool. But what I also thought is at some point along the way of doing that, they're like, let's write some funk songs. Let's see what happens when we write some funk songs. And then they did that. And then they're like, you know what? Let's just keep writing funk songs. That's what we're going to do. And then we're going to get like 10 people in the band. Yeah. Do you want to hear something that just that blew my mind? What's that? I thought that Walk the Dinosaur and Dad, I'm in Jail had to have been from different albums. Wow. <laughs> They're on the same album? They're on the same album. So it's not even like, oh, we did a funk album. Because then when we listen to the song off the next album, that like the James Brown one, like Uh I feel better than James Brown. I was like, okay, well, this kind of feels a little bit like dad, I'm in jail. So maybe like the next album, they got like a little bit more avant-garde with like these spoken word, strange things. Right? Nope. Apparently every album you pick. So the, the album with Walk the Dinosaur features that dad i'm in jail song and it features that like tom waits inspired earth to doris song so if you enjoyed walk the dinosaur 1988 and you went out and you picked up your was not was record those were some of the tracks you were greeted to on that one no it also had the spy in the house of love song so right you got this weird mix of like what you were expecting and then just some of the craziest shit 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the Spy in the House of Love song, which I liked. It's, it's all right. Yeah. It's very much in the vein of Walk the Dinosaur, but it's a little more serious. It's a little less silly, but also funky dance song. Dad, I'm in jail is something very much ween would do or butthole surfers or somebody. Yeah. And it's just basically a spoken word of almost kind of punk music. I don't know how to describe it, but it's basically just going, dad, I'm in jail. Come I get- like it here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's just nonsense music. It's avant-garde, definitely weenish. And I wasn't expecting that from this band. I'm, I'm still trying to figure this band out. I want to tell you something else, though, because you made a statement where you said that Spy in the House of Love was a little bit more serious than Walk the Dinosaur. Okay. Well, their co-writer on that song, Jacob, uh, Randy Jacobs, would want you to know that it is a serious song. Uh, so in an interview, he said, we wrote an infectious sing-along song with a Flintstone-esque video that probably got played on MTV way too much. But even with all of that seemingly good time anthem, it has a dark side. The song's about our nuclear Armageddon. It became a dance anthem because of the video. They connected it with the girls dressed in these little pebbles and Bam Bam outfits. And all of a sudden, it became like, hey, let's do the mashed potato or the twist. Well, wait a second. Back up. You said Spy in the House of Love. You talking about Walk the Dinosaur? No, I'm talking about Walk the Dinosaur. When you said Spy in the House of Love was a more serious song than Walk oh. the Dinosaur. Walk the Dinosaur is about nuclear Armageddon. That's what he, So I'm going to look at the verses because I actually never really knew the verses. So he said, there was a night like this 40 million years ago. I lit a cigarette and picked up a monkey skull to go. The sun was spitting fire and the sky was blue as ice. I felt very tired. So I watched Miami Vice and I walked the dinosaur, which sounds like a euphemism for jerking it in a weird way in that context. But uh, I met you in a cave. You were painting buffalo. I said, I'd be your slave. Follow wherever you go. That night we split a rattlesnake and danced beneath the stars. You fell asleep. I stayed awake and watched the passing cars. Um, One night I dreamt of New York. You and I were roasting blue pork in the Statue of Liberty's torch. Elvis landed a rocket ship, healed a couple of lepers and disappeared. But where was his beard? A shadow from the sky, much too big to be a bird. A screaming, crashing noise louder than ever heard. It looked like two big silver trees that somehow learned to soar. And suddenly a summer breeze became a mighty lion's roar. And I killed the dinosaur. I don't (laughs) know. All I can think of is that the, the, I guess what they're trying to connect is like the idea that a meteorite came and killed the dinosaur that like, this guy's having a, a weird day and everything seems off. And then it's like, oh, the earth is about to be destroyed by by another meteorite similarly to, to way back when. Right. And then the video, you know, this song, like Matt said, it has a dance to it. And I man, was- what a dance. I like it. <laughs> I, I, I can't o- believe it's... Open the door, get on the floor, everybody walk the Yeah, Ma- Matt's doing it. Yeah. For, I know you guys can't see it, but he's doing it right now. But yeah, you basically you make an open the, opening the door motion, and then... It's like a f- funky little sachet to the side, uh-huh. and then you throw up your one arm uh, in, a, in like, a, like almost how you do like a swan type mm-hmm. thing, 
and then you bop the dinosaur's head forward while you walk forward with it. Right, right. And surprisingly, I don't remember this dance really catching on. It wasn't like a Macarena or a, you know, a Cupid shuffle or something or, or, uh, anything like that. Maybe in 1988, people were doing it a little bit. I think maybe they went, but the song was a hit. The song was a hit. It was definitely a hit. I, you know, I almost find myself wondering, you know, like in bad eighties teen flicks, like I think a teen wolf specifically, mm. right? Well, what about can't buy me love? Remember? Can't buy me yeah. love. But teen wolf comes to my mind where it's like, you know, they're at the school dance and then suddenly Michael J. Fox starts doing his wolf dance right. and everyone's watching and like, that seems easy enough. And then they all join in doing the wolf. Sure. Do you think if you were at a wedding, 2022, 2023, they start playing Walk the Dinosaur, you go out on the dance floor, you start doing it. Yep. Do you think by like third or fourth cycle, people will join in and do the Walk the Dinosaur with you? I mean, that would be incredible. <laughs> I hope at some point I get to test that out. I mean, in the video, they have these, there's four women. They're dressed in sort of like, yeah, like... You described it pretty well, like Pebbles Bam Bam clothes, basically. Yes, yeah. and they are doing the dinosaur. They're doing it very well. But by the end of the video, before the chorus changes to everybody kill the dinosaur, <laughs> which we notice, we're like, are they saying kill the dinosaur? Everybody kill the dinosaur? A bunch of normal looking people come out and start doing the dinosaur at that yeah. point and not doing it that well. So I think that was the point. Anybody could do the dinosaur. Boom, boom, shark. Boom, boom. Like a, like a, like a boom. Yeah. Boom, boom. Like a, like a boom. I know that my uncle's wedding cover band has had to play this at a couple wow. weddings because they've brought it up on their podcast. They're like, man, I'd love that Walk That Dinosaur song. They had, they said it is a fun song to play. So I want to talk to you about the album that this is on real quick. Okay. So this appeared on the album, What's Up, Dog? It was released in 1988 and it was their breakthrough album. And Rolling Stone magazine ranked it as the 99th greatest album of the 80s. Right? Wow. So... I don't know if there's a couple times where I'm sure you heard me go like, oh, <laughs> while I was doing some research. So we had pulled up the video for Dad, I'm in Jail, right? Mm -hmm. And right. you were like, what is this? Because it's a very weird video. Artist and animator Christopher Simon created music videos to accompany the weirder tracks like What's Up Dog, Dad, I'm in Jail, and the Tom Waits styled Earth to Doris. These videos then went on to appear on MTV's Liquid Television wow. and at various film festivals, including the Spike and Mike Animation Film Festival. Wow. Okay. Which I'm not sure if you're familiar with Spike and Mike Festival. That's where Mike Judge was discovered. Oh. It's like this Austin animation film festival where like if you go through the list of like shorts that played there, it's like, oh, this is like where Mike Judge came from. And this is where like the guys who did Celebrity Deathmatch had their first short played. Like it was kind of the main hub where MTV would go to find the stuff that would appear on liquid television. Right. So it seems like Was Not Was was more than just a band. They were like a whole experience they were like an art collective or something yeah so one of the things that i found when i was doing some research is that at least one of them and i couldn't figure out which one through any specific being called out by name but based on the information i was able to find on one of the two guys i'm gonna guess it was don but one of them was a former jazz critic turned mm. musician which Totally makes sense because there's like all types of like jazz inspired craziness happening in these songs. Yeah, there really is. I mean, one thing you'll notice, you'll notice it from the Walk the Dinosaur video and all the videos 
from that time. They're a very diverse band. Yeah, there's black we, people. There's white people. Great. There's there's a woman percussionist. Yeah, they they and there's a lot of people in the band. They look pretty cool and wild. Big hair. The two singers are very stylish. The one guy's always wearing a bow tie. Yeah. What what were their names? So the one, let me pull that up. Uh, the one was Sweet Pea Arbuckle Sweet for Sweet sure. Pea, right. And I want to say the other one was Mr. Harry Bowen, but let me. So it was definitely Harry Bowen's. I don't know if the Mr. I threw in front of his name <laughs> or or not. If he, he pulled like a Mr. T thing where <laughs> Right. He went by, uh, you know, by Mr. You're going to call me Mr. You're not going to call me boy. You're going to call me Mr. Like Mr. T. Yeah. I love that story. That's still a great story. Yeah. You know, Matt, I was watching this and just like I said, now there was a song we watched, Knock Down, uh, Made Small, Treated Like a Rubber Ball, which was before. That was pre. That was pre them. Yeah. Pre Walk the Dinosaur. Pre Walk the Dinosaur. And that one, I told you, once again, I keep saying MGMT and Ween. It reminded me of a cross between a band like that, like an alternative early 90s, 120 minutes band mixed with music from Rocky. <laughs> like, yeah. like that inspirational, there's no easy way out style. It was very confusing, the types of music they smashed together. And the, when I'm listening to them and maybe upon third or fourth listen to a song, I might be like, okay, I get this now. But upon first listen to so many of their songs, I'm like, what is this? What are they going for? Are they going for Morris Day in the time? Because that's what I think of with Walk the Dinosaur is like, oh, this is kind of like a Morris Day thing, right? Yeah. So I want to talk to you about both of these was brothers. Well, they're not brothers, but the was the was brothers. So actually I was wrong. It was David was the one that was a former jazz critic. They both have a huge jazz background. So when this band eventually broke up, they did break up in the early 90s and then reunite it in the 2000s. Hmm. But we're, we're going to talk a bit about Don Was for a second. Okay. So Don Was walked a similar pathway to a lot of artists that we've talked about on this show where he found his footing in producing. So Don Was has received four different Grammy Awards, including he was nominated. He was the 1994 Grammy Award for the producer of the year. Wow. For what? Literally just of his product. Like they just give out an award for producer of the year. It didn't even list like. Well, can I, what What are some of the things he produced? So he co-produced a bunch of stuff for Ziggy Marley. He is a frequent producer of several Bonnie Raitt records, including wow. Nick of Time, which won the Grammy Award for album of the year, the year that he was the producer of it. Wow. And he produced multiple Rolling Stones albums, including Blue and Lonesome, which won the Grammy for best traditional blues album in 2019. He also served as a music director and or consultant for several motion pictures, including Thelma and Louise, Toy Story, Hope Floats, Phenomenon, Days of Thunder, Michael and the Paper, and then went on to direct a documentary called I Just Wasn't Made for These Days about Brian Wilson. It debuted at Sundance and won the San Francisco San Francisco Film Festival's Golden Gate Award, which is like their top award. And then went on to produce the B-52's album Cosmic Thing, where he was the producer for the song Love Shack. Jeez. <laughs> that is incredible. If it wasn't for One Hit Thunder, you listening right now would not know that the guy from Was Not Was, the Walk the Dinosaur Band, produced the Rolling Stones, Bonnie Raitt. Are you telling me that Nick of Time album for Bonnie Raitt? That's the album that has I Can't Make You Love Me on Yep, it. that's the one. Oh, my God. Then, we're not done. There's... 
three other things that Don has done that I think are worth noting. One is since 2008, he has hosted the proceedings and led the house band for the Detroit All-Star Revival, which is an annual showcase uh, for all local acts within the Detroit music scene. So he's still like very tied to his Detroit roots. In January of 2012, he was appointed the presidency of the jazz record label Blue Note Records, which is like the jazz label. That is like where Miles Davis recorded in the 30s. He's only the third person to ever be president of this like infamous jazz label. And then finally, in 2018, he formed a super group called the Wolf Brothers that featured him on bass, Jay Lane of the band Primus on drums, and Bob Weir of Grateful Dead on the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I'd have never expected. I'd have never living, known. Living like, it's like one of those things where it's like, how, who the fuck are we to call this guy a one-hit wonder in any way, shape, or form? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, was not was the band, that project was for, a one-hit wonder. For sure. What do you want? Yeah. Uh, and then um, the, the other one, David, not nearly as extensive, but uh, he is a frequent contributor to NPR, uh, specifically day-to-day and all things considered. And um, he produced the soundtrack albums for the X-Files TV show and feature film. Wow. Yeah. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast, but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Damn. I wouldn't have known that they'd have done so much mainstream stuff. Yeah. I'd have thought they they would have went crazy. (laughs) Like, because some of this music 
I like that Hello Dad, I'm in jail song. I, I it just sounds like music for people who just aren't right. Here's something also. I just caught this out of my eye. David was. His theme music introduced Fox Sports NFL pregame show for many years. <laughs> I guarantee you, I You have well, to have done I, I mean, I've watched football for 20 years. If you if I heard it, I'm like, I I Guarantee you, I know what it is. And then he served as a record producer, working with Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, Katie Lang, and Wayne Kramer of MC5 fame. Wow, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this, these guys have kept active. Yeah. yeah. And But go, look, go on YouTube and watch a bunch of Was Not Was videos. You'll be like, what is going on? We'll watch the song Shake Your Head. My only note, I keep saying this, my only note on it was... So confusing. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Out come the freaks. Are you okay? All these songs, they're so strange. I mean, I guess there's something to be said for making music that makes people scratch their heads. That shake your head song, side note. Do you know who the vocalists were on that? No. Ozzy Osbourne and Kim Basinger. Wow. <laughs> and that was her in the video. That was her in the video. <laughs> the whole time I'm going, this person looks familiar. Who is that? <laughs> that was her. She's in the video. And that song was so confusing because it there was like not a lot of anything <laughs> words to it, but it was really a wild, like a lot of green screen stuff going on. It was kind of like them kind of like dancing around and look once again, it looked like something from the nineties you see in 120 minutes. It yeah. looked like a ween video. It looked like whatever, except Kim Basinger was in it. It at the really her, I don't know what her peak was, but I mean, she was, this in. was 92. This was definitely her peak. Oh yeah. That's like undeniable. That's like right before cool world kind of tampered out her, <laughs> her success a little bit. Uh, wow. let, let me take a look. I'm, I'm curious now. What, what was she doing? In 1992, film. Okay, so Cool World just came out. So this is fresh off of playing Vicky Vale in Batman. Wow. <laughs> like, um, what was the deal with the song Mr. Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore? So I made you watch Mr. Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. That was from their last album, Boo. Don and David was originally wrote this song, co-wrote it with Bob Dylan for Paula Abdul. What? <laughs> and then here's the breakdown. They, I found an interview with Mojo where they told the story. David was said, Bob and I were just sitting in the lounge and Don walked in and said, hey, David, we got to write that song for Paula Abdul. It's like signing a name to a check that's half a million dollars. And Bob Dylan's head perked up and he said, half a million dollars. David, get a pen and paper. We're going to write a song for Paula Abdul. And, you know, he's such a master mask maker. You never knew whether he was doing a put on or not. But I got the pen and we traded lines. Unfortunately, Paula didn't want the song. <laughs> wow. And that song. Yeah, the song is like kind of heavy funk. Yeah, I, I didn't really it didn't really sound like a Paula Abdul song to me. But once again, Bob Dylan is hanging out with the walk the dinosaur guys. I'm like, <laughs> I love, I love the idea. The bigger thing in that is the idea that Bob Dylan is the one that's like half a million dollars. Let's write a song. Let's, let's write that Paul Abdul song. Walk the dinosaur guys. Like nothing. This should just go to prove. Don't, Put anybody on some kind of pedestal. Don't like whatever. Everybody's just people doing things. Like, I I mean, I think that's cool. I'm not putting it down, but 
Would you have expected Bob Dylan and, you know, a guy or two guys from the Walk of the Dinosaur song to get together and write a Paul Abdul the, song? Probably the not. The least recognizable guys from the Walk of yeah. the Dinosaur <laughs> yeah. video. The guys like in the background. <laughs> kind of, yeah, right. It's not even those guys in front who are dancing their asses off and singing. Not those guys. Not Sweet Pea. It's so funny. It's, I am so glad we decided to do this episode. Oh, yeah. though. This is great. This is so much information I didn't know I needed I, in my brain. I don't know if I've ever learned as much about <laughs> a band or artist yet. We're 130 some episodes in. I don't think I've ever learned this much. I will tell anyone listening, you should go watch on YouTube. Was Not Was does a performance on Arsenio Hall where they played their own like really funky version of the Temptations. Papa was a Rolling Stone. There's even more singers. It's not just Sweet Pea and the other guy. <laughs> now there's like five singers out front singing and it's like just a really funky version of that song. But when Arsenio's introducing them, I guess it had to be like 1990. It was 1990. It was their yeah. album, Are You Okay? So Arsenio Hall, before he introduces them, is holding up their CD, but it's before they eliminated the long boxes that CDs came in. Yeah. And he's holding it up and it's funny because it's like this long rectangular box and he's like, you can't show albums no more. You got to show CDs. (laughs) Which is funny because now I feel like if an artist shows up on say like Jimmy Fallon, now it's back to the record. Of course. On the stand to show off. Um, Another fun thing, just worth noting on the track list of that album, Papa Was a Rolling Stone, track two on that album. Right. They did. They actually did cover that, yeah. Track three, I Feel Better Than James Brown. Again, just like hot to colds. Like, <laughs> I, for anyone listening to I Feel Better Than James Brown, once again, you would think that would be a funky song. Yeah. No, it's like a weird avant-garde spoken word nonsense song the ween comparisons is the most logical comparisons because it really does feel like don and dave could not care less about what their audience expects from a was not was song right they're just going with it we expected and you looked it up we expected that <laughs> what what is it don and dave was would have been influences on dean and gene ween <laughs> yeah like- we thought like okay was and ween like but and Ween has some funky songs. They do. Ween has, you know, they're very Prince inspired. Listen to like L-M-L-Y-P. Yeah. Which I can leave it up to you what that stands for. But uh, they, they have some Prince inspired funky songs too. So I was kind of, because like their list of inspirations, like they run down a huge list of like Beatles, Parliament Funkadelic, Butthole Surfers, Pink Floyd, Dead Kennedys, like Almond Brothers, James Brown, Devo, Earth, Wind and Fire. Like... Uh, obviously Frank Zappa like is in there, but it's like, I feel like there, like there's no way that there's not a little bit of was not was in there unless they just don't know the bands, but like, yeah, maybe, or maybe most people in the world, including strange bands were like, Oh, that's the walk, the dinosaur. Yeah. Band. Just, it sounds like was, was walk the dinosaur like from the Flintstone soundtrack. So or <laughs> I was trying to find that out. So it was on two soundtracks. The original version of Was Not Was doing Walk the Dinosaur did appear in the Flintstones movie in 1994, which was like six years after the single was a hit. But also the year prior to that, George Clinton covered 
Walk the Dinosaur for the Super Mario Brothers soundtrack. Wow. Wow. Okay. So when did I discover Walk the Dinosaur? It may have been in the 90s after the fact. So the music video. That's a 1988 music video. Oh. Yeah. Was Not Was was broken up by 92. So, oh, how did I know? Yeah. It doesn't feel like. I, I have no recollection of what I obviously know this song and I feel like I remember, I don't know if I liked it or not, but I, I definitely remembered it and I, but I don't, I cannot tell you if I knew it from 1988 or knew it because it was getting hyped up because of the Flintstones movie six years later. I have no idea. Also side note, the soundtrack, the list of artists the list of artists on the Super Mario Brothers soundtrack Whoa. makes no sense. Now, this is the Super Mario Brothers with uh, John Leguizano? Yep, that's okay. the one. So the genre of music on this thing is all over the fucking place. So you've got Roxette, who has two songs on the soundtrack, actually. Roxette, Divinals, George Clinton, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Joe Satriani has a song on it. Megadeth has a song on it. Wow. Queen has a song on it. What? And then Us Three Cantaloupe remixes bitty, on bitty it. <laughs> like yeah. it is like there is six different genres covered over those ten songs. Wow. Okay. I see you, Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. And apparently one of the songs, which one is this? Oh, the 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 Roxette song, Almost Unreal, which was the lead single off of this. Uh, not Walk the Dinosaur. Uh, was actually originally written for Hocus Pocus, but it was rejected, so they just threw it on the Super Mario Brothers soundtrack instead. Oh, man, this is a lot to take in. This is a this is a very informative episode of One Hit Thunder. That's a lot of info, a lot of trivia for people. If you're at a party and you want to tell people about what's not was, was. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to care too. Yeah, well, and the other thing that's worth calling out is that this band did a lot of like guest vocalists like we said the kim basinger ozzy osbourne that was not the first time that they worked with ozzy he was on their second album before they were even a well-known band called born to laugh at tornadoes uh, it was extremely well reviewed rolling stone declared it the best album of the year jeez but it made no commercial impact because it came out the same year as prince's 1999 and michael jackson's thriller so like it had no real hits. That's the one that had knocked down, made small, treated like a rubber ball oh, off of it. Oh yeah. But that one featured guest vocals from, like I said, Ozzy Osbourne, Marshall Crenshaw, uh, Mel Torme <laughs> sang a song, and the episode we've done previously, The Knack, the vocalist from The Knack, did a song on that. Um, so they were reaching out, and then obviously Sweet Pea Atkinson sings vocals on a couple songs, as does Harry Bowens. But it is this like weird collective of the only consistency is that Don and Dave are creating all of these songs and writing all of these songs. And it, unless they're a cover, they're, they're creating the songs. Um, and then they're just kind of putting the vocals that they think make the most sense. But I saw like the album, what's up dog where walk the dinosaur is from has a song that Elvis Costello sings on. Like it's just whatever these guys, whatever skill set these guys found, I guess it was like the only thing that makes sense to me is that when they put out their debut album was not was in 1981, that it must have been one of those albums that was like a musician's record. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it made no cultural impact, but like 
it was like one of those records that like bands bands like it was a bands band type thing where it was like so then when they would reach out to the dude from the knack he's like low-key this fan of this obscure band and is like absolutely you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's the only thing that makes sense because you do hear those stories of like those i mean jellyfish was a prime example of like a band that was like a band's band sure yeah i i was <laughs> I feel like was not was is like the version of jellyfish. If they kept putting out records after spilt milk, you know, like they just kept making weird records and got more and more exposure and then had like these massive post music careers. That's, I feel like that's a, I mean, these dudes obviously had huge careers, but these songs, man, we listen to a lot of songs. I can't decide if I like a lot of them. That's what I'm going to, that's the only thing I'm going to come back around to is like, did we like these songs? I mean, I think I like Walk the Dinosaur the most out of any of them. I agree with that. I So I'm going to play my hand. I am going to give these guys thunder. I'm going to give them thunder because I think, A, Walk the Dinosaur is a phenomenal song. And, you know, it's kind of the same as, like, when the Butthole Surfers blew up, where it's almost like the fact that these guys had any hit seems like an anomaly and it's it's the total opposite of like when we did the k7 episode where it's or or even the city high episode where we're like how did we let this slip through our fingers it's like this shouldn't have ever happened (laughs) like these this bit nothing about this band says that they were going for commercial success and i kind of respect that they blew up with this walk the dinosaur song and then just kept making shit like i feel better than james brown which like most normal band would be like, well, we can't do that shit anymore. We got to do an album that sounds like all Walk the Dinosaur. And they're like, no, this is what we've always done. Like, I, is it for me? No, but I respect them just staying true to themselves. And like, they followed their own path to being, can you imagine being a massive jazz fan? And now you're the president of the most prestigious jazz label of all time. Like, Sure. That's dope. Like that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I guess I I guess I got no choice regardless of whether I'm going to keep listening to Was Not Was or not. It doesn't really matter what I think. The guy produced th- that Bonnie Raitt song <laughs> and <laughs> like, Love Shack. And Love Shack. Like, Which, I, like I, Was are, Not Was doing a, a B52's song totally makes sense. Yeah, There's sure. nothing weird about that choice. Sure. I mean, I guess this is very obviously thunder. Yeah. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Punchline's song, My White Collared Shirt, off their album Just Say Yes. Visit punchline.com for merch, tour dates, and news. We're on Patreon now. Become a patron and get some bonus content, early episodes, and a chance to vote on future episodes at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast. Do you want to start a podcast? Contact Chris and myself at WeKnowPodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. And make sure if you're loving this show, throw us five stars. It really helps us out. Also, if you have the time, write a review and definitely subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app so you never miss another episode. Tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder.
the Geekscape Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason. And I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriol, Jimmy G. from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun.